love for like relationships and stuff like that. I never, to this day, I never really felt like I needed love from anybody else. I, and, I, and I'm a type of person, I try to look back on my life and like, why am I like this or whatever? So looking back on it, like you said, I think I just got so much love from my parents that I just felt like I wasn't looking for it from anybody or anywhere else. It's just like, I never even really thought about it. Like I would see other people, you know, having that type of mindset and it just didn't register with me. Welcome back to the Two Stuff in the Field podcast. I'm your host, Darren Perkins, and today, boy, it don't hit no closer. It it don't hit no closer. We got, where do I start? Content creator, a serial entrepreneur, the, the owner of uh, Real Dope Photography, getting ready to start breeding with uh, Black Star Line Borbles. We got actually a couple things that's going to launch this year as well. Um, just got a lot going on, but besides that, probably like the literally the closest person outside of my wife to me. Uh, we, we talk just about every day. Um, some people say to meet one is to meet the other. Uh, some people say that we sound alike. Um, Y'all can be the judge of that. Uh, but without further ado, Dominic Gibbs, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm glad to finally be on the episode, man. I've been sitting back watching, like, yeah. man, I got to get on that. So I'm glad we finally found the time to wake up. Well, we was trying to get you on 12, but uh, with the got messing around and got sick, and then other things happened. But, hey, we're we here now. now. Yep. We're here now. Like um, you said, a lot of people say we sound alike, talk alike, look alike, same personality. So, yeah, which if you think about it, it <laughs> makes sense because we literally talk every day. So, for real, we talk every day. Like so, it's only uh, it's only a couple people I talk to every day. Yeah, that I don't live with, <laughs> <laughs> and even they, they might not get a word <laughs> for it that day. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's how close the relationship is. Um, but you know. In order to understand where we are now, we're going to go back a little bit and talk about what it was like growing up in Union, South Carolina. Um, growing up in Union, um, it was cool. Like, when you don't know nothing, you really can't expect nothing else. So it was cool. I grew up, I used to, um, you know, Union is a small town, so everybody, you know, it's close-knit families. Everybody know everybody. You know, I spent a lot of time at my grandma's house. Um, she, she raised me when my mom and dad when that, wasn't at work. Um you know, it's just a small town. So you have that small town vibe, small town mindset. You don't really know much about the other side of the world and stuff like that. You just, you know, day to day. When you're a kid, you just go to school and go home. Yeah, just growing up around lots of love like that with, you know, having your parents, grandparents. Um, it could be, a t I spoke about this on an episode of the Dear Son podcast. Y'all go check it out. Where like I personally received so much love that I didn't necessarily look for in anywhere else, yeah. um, and it, it affected you know relationships until I actually sat back and understood like this is why this happened. Do you kind of feel like that's what happened for you a little bit? I feel the same as that way. Like I got a lot of love from both of my parents, so I'm the type of person where I never really felt like. Cause I know a lot of people, um, they're looking for outside love for like relationships and stuff like that. I never, to this day, I never really felt like I needed love from anybody else. I, and I, and I'm a type of person, I try to look back on my life and like, why am I like this or whatever? So 
looking back on it, like you said, I think I just got so much love from my parents that I just felt like I wasn't looking for it from anybody or anywhere else. It's just like I never even really thought about it. Like I would see other people, you know, having that type of mindset and it just didn't register with me. When did you realize that that could have been one of the reasons? Mm, I don't know. I think just just as you growing up and you having girlfriends and stuff like that and being around other guys, um, I think I would notice, like, even from men, because a lot of people say a lot of women looking for love and guys, but guys are the same way. Same guys, way. Guys, look for, um, <laughs> guys look for love and women, too, and stuff like that. I mean, like, at a young age is what I'm saying. And um, just, like, maybe they wasn't getting it from home. Maybe they didn't have a father or something like that. Um, but I know for me, I just would notice it from, you know, friends and other people like that. And I, I just would think, like, no, nah, I'm not like that. And um, and I think I used to just sit back and just, after a while, I think I was just sitting back and just wondering, like, what, where did it come from or whatever. And I was like, hey, probably just from me getting so much love from my parents, I never was looking for it from anyone or anything else. Do you feel like it affected some of your relationships early on? <laughs> yeah, for sure, because I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't, like I said, same thing. I wasn't really looking for necessarily, I guess, love from that person or whatever. I was just enjoying the moment or whatever. Maybe they loved me more than I loved them or something like that. Or I don't, there's, I don't necessarily think it was a thing where I had to get older and understand and mature. It's just like I wasn't really like looking for love because I, I guess I had it so much. Like I, I never was even really thinking about it. Like I never was like, let me get in a relationship so I can have somebody to love me right. or something like that. It's just like I was already just used to it. <laughs> and I think I'm just assuming from the other side of things, it probably could come off as you not caring. Um, being, but that's just not the case. Like you said, it's really just not, it's not even a thought. Like yeah, it's, not it's even something that you're not even just not looking for. Yeah, I'm, I never thought about it <laughs> yeah. at all. Like I guess it was just like, it was going to have to be one of those things where like if I just fall in love right. or something like that, I just fall in love, but I wasn't looking for love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just let it happen naturally. Just let it happen naturally. I think it was also a good thing too because a lot of people get trapped in a situation where they looking for love and you know this might not be the right relationship for you. Right. So I know I was the type of guy where I like women who were like ambitious, um, had something going for themselves, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So a lot of people might have a certain type of person like standard or whatever, yeah. but they might drop their standards because they was like, all right, I'm just looking for love and it was it and then now you find yourself in a relationship where it was a relationship that wasn't really meant for either one of you. Yeah. That could be a dangerous thing. But um just to fast forward just a little bit, um, you know, growing up you did you really know by the time you got to graduation what you wanted to do yet? Nah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's like graduation came up and I thought about it after graduation. Right. So that's how I ended up joining the military because it was like, man, what am I going to do? So if you know anything, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but you know, in South Carolina, you know, um, we have senior week after you graduated, whatever, everybody go down to Burger Beach. So I literally went to um, senior week at the beach and I remember I called my dad out of the blue. And was like, hey, I'm going to join the military. It said senior week. Yeah. You know happening? You know what's happening? <laughs> I'm happening? <laughs> Have a good time drinking whatever we're gonna be doing. I'm calling my dad like, hey, when I get back, I don't even I can't even remember why, but I just yeah. remember calling him and seeing we like, hey, I'm gonna um, join the military when yeah. I get back, and he was just like, you sure, yeah, he was like, uh, all right, and then you know, I think he was 
not necessarily happy that I was joining the military, but just happy because I you had something to do. I made a decision because yeah, yeah. before, you know, of course they wanted me to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, I ain't even paying attention in high school. <laughs> I ain't going to go to college and waste my money on that. And then I got to pay back student loans and stuff like that. So in my mind, I was like, I can go to the military. And I didn't even know nothing about the military, yeah. like whatsoever. Air yeah. Force, branches, I didn't know just nothing made, about it. I, just like, I think I heard like one of my friends talking about it. And I was just like, Man, I'm going to do it. It's like out of the blue. Because I, I wanted to get out of union at the same time, right. too. So I was like, this will allow me to get out of union. And um, it allowed me to go somewhere else. I don't have to worry about school. They pay for everything. So it just was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. And I kind of just stuck with it. Like, I'm just doing it. And then a lot of people were telling me. And I remember telling my friends, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to join the military. And mm-hmm. everybody was like, yeah, you ain't joining yeah. the military. <laughs> stuff like that. So I was like, and that kind of even pushed me even more. I was like, they ain't gonna do it. Right. And I'm the type of person like somebody think I ain't gonna do something. I'm, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it's gonna make it hard. <laughs> so um I just did it. I was, I was told my dad when he took me when I got back, we went to go um we went to go talk to a recruiter at the mall. Um after that we got set up to take the ASVAB and you know went through everything and you know, I ended up going. Man, I I <laughs> definitely understand that because my senior year of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I knew that the plan was probably going to be college. It, it basically just was something. It was the next logical step for me because I had the grades. Um, I knew that I wasn't good enough to play sports at the collegiate level. Um, I also knew I didn't want to work full time. So the, for me, it was either going to be working or going to school. Um, of course, being... My, the background that I come from, a college-educated background, um, going to college wasn't a, not going to college wasn't an option. So for me, you know, it was just the next logical step. But I would say I went through my whole college experience without knowing what I wanted to do for a career. So, so you were just going. <laughs> I was just you going. You had a major and stuff, though, right? I had a few majors. <laughs> same, same. I had a few majors. Never really, nothing. Never really seen. Well, I can't say nothing. Athletic training was something that I love. Um, got good grades in it, but because I didn't go straight into it, um, my my GPA kind of fell to where they didn't accept me into that program. Right. And then it was a situation where you only could apply for it once a year, and I didn't have that kind of time. So what I ended up doing was switching to psychology just because I basically had the credit. All I had to do was take a few more classes and go degree. Yeah, that kind of sounds like me too with the military Mm -hmm. because when I took my ass valve, I I had a decent score, but it wasn't where I wanted to be for what job I wanted to do because how how the military works is um, the jobs that come available to you are based on your ass valve score. So I was going to retake it again. And so while I'm waiting to retake it again, you know, they telling me what jobs are coming up for the score that I had. Right. And I was just like, nah, I'm not doing any of those. <laughs> and then like while I'm waiting to take it again, um, they was like, well, because um, I ended up doing security forces. So they was like, you know, security forces came open and I was like, man, what's that? And it was basically like military cop. I was like, what? <laughs> man, no, um, I ain't doing that. And then um, some time went by and I'm still waiting to take the ASVAB. You know what? I was like, I was like, I'm going to end up sitting around here getting in trouble yeah. or doing something like that. And I was like, I might as well just leave. I'm going to take this. And somebody had told me, like, you can join and then later on you can switch to something else. So I was like, you know what? 
I'm gonna just join and then I'll change it later. Like I don't care what I gotta do. I just need to get out get off and around here. Yeah. So I just took security forces and, you know, just left. <laughs> so let's touch on that a little bit. How was life in the military for you? Um, it was a different experience. Like looking back on it, it was like one of the best decisions I ever made because yeah. I got the experience. Um, like I said, coming from union is a small town mindset. You don't really know but what you see on TV and it, nine times out of ten you see something on TV, you're not even sure like how it really yeah. is. Like you haven't been able to see it and touch it with your own eyes and hands, so you don't really know. So being able to see the rest of the world, um, meet a lot of different people from basic all the way until I went to I got stationed in Alaska. So, you know, just getting being able to meet so many different people, personalities, because you station with people from all over the country, all all different places. So you got you get to meet so many people, it just change your mindset. Everybody dressed different. Cause from back home, everybody was you know dressed with the baggy clothes yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that was the trend at the time. So once I got into the military, nobody really was dressing like that. Mm-hmm. So by the time I came back home, you know I was dressing different. So people were looking at me like I was crazy. But you know I was able to you know transition my mindset, the way I dressed, the way I talked, and everything. Okay. So, where well, what point did you know that you wanted to transition out of the military? Um, all right, just to be um, transparent with the podcast, um, what made me want to transition was like, all right, coming from a small town, um, you know, you had a small town mindset. So like, while, even while I was in the military, I was doing a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. Like, You're I still, still young. was young. Yeah. yeah, I still was young. So, I, you know, I had like fake IDs. I'm getting in the club for free. Um, all the kind of stuff. I'm drinking and driving, <laughs> doing, all, doing all kind of stuff. So, you know, I got in trouble one time. And, um, you know, it wasn't really a situation where they could kick me out. But um, after the fact, they asked me, you know, if I wanted to get out. And I was like, at the time, I had a, I had a type of mindset of if I don't get out now, they're going to end up kicking me out and I'm going to have a dishonorable discharge. Yeah. And so I was like, man, let me just take this opportunity right. and get out now and have an honorable um, discharge and just go to school or something. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'd rather get out on my own wood and them forcing me out. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they came to me and asked me um, if I wanted to get out or whatever, because at this time, uh, a lot of troops was coming back from overseas. So they was finding a lot of different ways to get rid of people. Like if you had a low uh, PT score, whatever, they were just finding reasons to get rid of people, whatever. So this was a point in time where they started asking people to, um, you know, if you wanted to leave, if you had any kind of trouble and stuff like that, which was crazy because looking back on it, I really wanted to get out like real bad. Yeah. And um, I think I kind of like just spoke it, a, you know, thought it into <laughs> yeah. existence. Looking back on it, I was like, "Is no way they asking me if I want to leave right now." Right. Like, I always <laughs> said I was going to end up getting out early, and I did it. That's when I, um, that's when I think I started getting a mindset of like, um, dang, the brain is powerful. Like, I think I really kind of thought this into existence, yeah, manifested. It. Yeah, kind of manifested <laughs> it. So it was like that's what made me want to transition. I already had a mindset of I was ready to get out. So once they asked me. I think I might have thought about it for like a day, um, but I, I definitely told them like, yeah, I'm ready to go. So they gave me a separation date and um, I came back early, um, came, moved to Columbia, South Carolina, and, you know, started going to college. Yeah, and this 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 the part of the story where our timelines begin to like collide because even though, you know, we've known each other, we, we first of all, we actually related. We really are blood, <laughs> um, but it wasn't like, we was around each other every day. Our relationship really 
I would say we we really got close when we both moved to Columbia and um, just started being around each other all the time. Um, well, you remember that one night? It was one night in yeah, particular where, exactly where we had had a good old drink um, and just talked about life. And it feel like after that point, it was like we was inseparable. Yeah, I remember exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I remember, I remember we were sitting at the table, yep. everything. I remember everything. 208W. Yeah, I remember exactly. <laughs> I remember exactly how we were sitting, everything. Like, it was crazy. It's moments in life, like, you don't forget. Right. And that's one of them. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, like, how powerful that night was. Because, like you said, we've been inseparable ever since. And it's like, from that point on, you know, we still, it wasn't like we had it all figured out. But we was able to grow, um, watch each other grow. Um, you was actually the reason, one of the main reasons why, Entrepreneurship even crossed my mind because before, before you brought the opportunity of wake up now to me, I wasn't thinking about business at all. You know, right. I was still, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted right. to do. Um, you know, with that process, um, kind of, kind of explain like what entrepreneurship was. That your first introduction into entrepreneurship? I would say my first introduction into entrepreneurship was probably like selling CDs in high school. So I used to sell CDs in high school, and I remember one time I used to get the um, blank CDs from Walmart, mm-hmm. and then you know I would take them home and you know burn. I ask people what they want or whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like I try to like burn somebody's album or something yeah. like that. Or mixtape, um, mixtapes was hard back then. Uh, one of the most popular things. Um, so I remember one time I got some blank CDs, you know, sold all of them. And I remember how much the uh, pack costed or whatever. Yeah. So I'm taking that out, and I realized how much money I had left over, and mm-hmm. I was like. <laughs> I was like, oh snap! And that's what made me really want to go hard at, um, you know, just selling CDs or doing anything outside of a job. But at the time, I really was just trying to do it because I wanted some money. Because right. I was the type of person, for whatever reason, um, I just didn't like asking my parents for money. A lot of mm-hmm. people get comfortable with that, and I was just like, I just wasn't one of those people. Because like now, I feel like I'm putting myself in a position to get told no. Right. So whether they want to give me the money or not is based off of if they got it, if they want to give it to me or not. But if I go make my own money. I was like, I could just go buy whatever I wanted. So that was probably my first introduction I could think of into really doing something entrepreneurial. And um, after that, it kind of just, I didn't even know what being an entrepreneur or business owner was. I think I was just like in my head and in my heart, I knew I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was. So, you know, that's why I went with the military and all these different things. It's kind of like I was searching for, like whatever, trying to figure it out. And, you know, when the opportunity, like you brought up with now, it's like when that came across my, um, my sister actually called me, I think, or it might have been uh, one of my close friends, um, Jonathan. Actually, I think it was uh, Jonathan that called me and he was telling me about it or whatever. And I was just like, at the time, I remember I was, stu- I was in, um, so when I came back from the military, you know, I said I went to college. Yeah. So um, I was studying or something, doing some homework or something for college. And he called me and he told me about it. And I was just like, I'm gonna do it. I think he told me. I think we went five, six hundred dollars to get started. Mm-hmm. Oh no, wait, hundred dollars. Hundred dollars, my bad. I'm thinking about <laughs> another opportunity. But it was a uh, hundred dollars to get started, and I was just like, "Yeah, it was you get six hundred dollars, whatever, mm-hmm. whenever you do it." Yeah. But anyway, 
Uh, he said it was a hundred dollars, and it was that was like a no brainer for me because I was like hundred dollars. I, I spent a hundred dollars right. on He's, no, I'm in college, so I'm <laughs> buying bottles and stuff every other every day. weekend. <laughs> I'm living with uh, my homeboy and my roommate um, Lux, so we drinking every day almost, going to class late, drinking, you know, doing all kind of crazy stuff. And so I was like, um, you know, let me go ahead and uh, it, it, so I was so ready to get started. Um, I was supposed to sign up under him. Yeah. He had to go to work. <laughs> and he told me he had signed up with my sister. Yeah. So I called her right away, like, man, I don't know. John John was telling me about this opportunity or whatever. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, he at work, just go ahead and sign me up. That's how ready I was to get started. Yeah. I didn't really understand the whole signing up under this person. I didn't know it really mattered or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, just sign me up. He took it, he taking too long. Yeah. Or whatever. And so I kind of just ran with it after that. I was just trying to figure it out. You know, a lot of people was uh, if y'all know anything about network marketing and stuff like that, you know, a lot of people say it's a scam because they don't understand the business model. Um, it's not a nine to five or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just trying to figure it out. I was like, I see these people getting money. Uh, it's something they doing that I'm not doing. Right. So I was just willing to do, do whatever to figure it out or whatever. And that was really what kind of got me on the path that I'm on now because me trying to figure that out, I started getting into mindset stuff and started changing my mindset. I started going to seminars and blueprints and all these type of things and spending money on personal growth and self-development, reading books. And, you know, that's what really kind of propelled me into, like, the stuff that I'm doing now. Even now, I do those same things. I spend money on coaching and um, personal growth and self-development and stuff like that. So, Wake Up Now is really what got me started. started And a lot of people, a lot of people laughed at it, but, like, that same opportunity afforded me to build so many um, relationships and what people don't know is like building relationships is like that's the that's the goal right there is building relationships. Like you know how to build relationships with people and you know provide value. That's all you really need. Nine times out of ten, whatever you involved in is because you built a relationship with whatever yeah. that was. Yeah, and that's um, something I'm real good at. Like I got good at over time is like building relationships with people. Man, getting introduced to that world was a game changer for me. Also. Um, I didn't really have, I didn't have that, I guess, model as a kid to want to sell anything. Like, I had a good life. I didn't, I didn't really, I never wanted for anything. Right. Um, but I never, I never had that, like, seller's mentality either. Right. Um, that's something that, that came later. Um, but like you said previously, I, I don't know why I got the the idea of never really wanting to ask for anything because I never I never really asked for much, right. and it got to the point where when I was living on my own, I'd rather just do it out before right. I ask for anything. Same. I probably it's been plenty of times when my mom come to my house and uh, you just got echoes in the refrigerator, <laughs> and I just she's probably like, why are you saying that? That's exactly what she <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah, it just it just ain't in me. Then they fill you up, right? It, it ain't in me to ask for things, yeah, even though. Now I'm realizing that it's okay to ask for help when you need it. I guess I just didn't feel like I needed it. I'm still, I'm still not when it come to, come to asking people for money and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but just help in general. I'm still like figuring that yeah. out because I don't like asking for help. And that's, I don't know what it is. Right. It's just like <laughs> you grow up with like if you ask for something, it's just like a bad like connotation or something around that, like asking people for stuff or help or whatever. It's like. Not necessarily bad, but I mean, it's, it's not necessarily. I can't really good explain it because it's not like when I did ask for things, something bad happened. Right. Exactly. It's just 
for whatever reason, I never got comfortable with asking for anything. I mean, I think also there's just like a male thing too as be. well. We don't really like asking other people for anything, anything, <laughs> help or anything. Because I've been in positions like a lot of people don't know. Like when I was going to um, when I was going to college um, at Midland Tech. Um, so when I got out, I had my nine eleven GI Bill. They pay you to go to. They basically pay you like on the first and the fifteenth, or maybe just the first or something like that. But anyway, so I'm living off of that while I'm going to school. So while I'm, I'm, so everybody, I'm, I'm meeting people at school, or whatever. They like, oh, you ain't got a job? Yeah. Like, nah, man. You know, we just <laughs> me and my homeboy. We had a, he was in the military too. Yeah. We just chilling at the house every day, spending the money on liquor and mm-hmm. stuff. So you know, we just had that. People talking about, you know, we didn't have a job, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> they didn't really I'm understand. Just, yeah, I'm just living off this. I'm living off this 911 GI Bill, and I didn't. It's been. It was times when, you know, I didn't have no money because they only give you a certain amount. For it. And I'm like, I could ask my parents for some money. That ain't gonna happen. But I was like, nah. <laughs> and I remember one time, I it was one time like my grades, my grades had got bad or whatever. So they put me on suspension or whatever. So now I'm not getting this check. Yeah. So in the in the midst of me going from like one apartment or something to the next, I ain't have nowhere to stay. So I'm staying in the car. I'm like, I could have went home, could have asked them for money or anything. I'm like. Nah, I'm just kick it in the car or yeah. whatever. I ain't never told so. Whenever they see this podcast, they <laughs> like, this boy was living in this car. He told me. He's about to get sent $20. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's been plenty of times, like, especially back then, where, like, I didn't have no money. And I was like, man, you asking nobody for no money. They did give me money. Like, I remember one point in time, I asked my mom or something for some money. Um, But it was like a one-time thing. Right. I was like... And I'm the type of person, like, I'm going to try to figure out the, how to get the money until the very last second. Yeah. Like, dang, now I got to ask. And then if you know anything about asking, like, especially your parents uh, or doing something for money, they're like, why are you being? You went to the last minute because I was trying to figure out another way to get it. I right. didn't want to ask you at all. Right. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I went to the I waited to the last second, you know, finally asked them for some money or whatever they sent it to me. But, you know, a, a lot of people people in positions where they can't ask their parents or nobody right. for no money and stuff like that. But I never wanted to be the type of person where, like, I ask them for some money. Now I'm always dependent on them every right. time I get in a situation. So I was like, I got to figure this out. They could die tomorrow. Yeah, I'm so used to getting money from them. Like, what am I going to do? So I always wanted to um, figure out how to do it on my own because, like, I, I always understood, like, my parents are going to be here forever. Right? So I was like, man, I got to figure out how to get it on my own because something happened. Like I said, something happens to them today, tomorrow, whatever. I'm going to have to figure out how to get that money or whatever. So even to this day, like, I don't really ask nobody for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, similar, I just always wanted to be independent. And then when we, when you think of like the model of being a man is being able to stand on your own two first. Right, yeah. And, you know, whenever you feel like, well, whenever it is a situation where you do happen to ask, have to ask for something, it's like, in a in a weird way, it's like you less than a man. Yeah, if you ask yeah. For it. that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the feeling, the feeling you get. Like that's probably the word yeah. or the phrase I was looking for. But you do feel like less than if you gotta ask, even for something that ain't gotta yeah, do with money. Even though we shouldn't small. even, even you should be able to ask people for help with anything. Anything. Um, but you know, you just feel like less than. Like mm-hmm. man, I gotta ask this dude or my mama or yeah. my daddy. You know, well, some money because you know my daddy would send me something too. Um, but yeah. It just, you feel less than, so I always, and then, like, not only, like, you feel less than, but like I said, I think one of my main things was, like, I just wanted to figure it out for myself. Yeah. I didn't want to ask nobody. 
And I've always been kind of like independent like that, like where I wanted to do stuff on my own. I don't know where it came from. And I think my dad just did a good job of like raising me and just like being a man himself or whatever. I'm not saying that he didn't have to ask for help, but I used to always look at him as like, all right, that's where I want to be. Yeah, I know for me, um, not having really that positive male figure like in front of me, what I did was I just looked for what I didn't want to be. Right. And, you know, I became I became everything that I didn't have, basically, in a sense. Right. Um, not to say that I ever lacked for anything, right. uh, but that really shaped who I became as a man and it. And maybe that is a little bit of where it came from too of not wanting to I just wanted to always be my own man yeah. first over anything. Yeah. Um, but to kind of fast forward a little bit, I know when when you were still living in Colombia, you basically kind of fell into photography. You kind of talk about like how did I how that how did they how'd you get into it and oh. and how did it so I think I kind of got in photography for a few different reasons. So by me doing like, you brought up Wake Up Now or whatever, that was my first day with marketing company. So I did maybe like two other companies after that. And, um, you know, with all these different companies, it, it, it wasn't like a scam or anything like that. But like any, if, even starting any kind of new business, whether it's network marketing or not, like you had phases where like the business could fail right. or whatever. So like all of those companies kind of like went out, went out of business. And I was like, man, I'm putting myself in a position where, like, I'm depending on another company, you know, to stay in business or whatever, to get my money or whatever. So I was like, I need to find something that I that I can do on my own. Own, you know, it's it's based on whether I do the work or not. Right. And so I kind of fell into photography because I always been I always been like a writer and stuff like that, real good at writing. Like I write a lot of stories, ideas come to me in my sleep and stuff like that. So I wanted to do something with film. And um, when uh. So David Shans was my um, business coach. And so when he started uh, uh, this group called Sleepless Nights, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I want you to mentor me. And he was um, asking me what I want to do. And I was like, I don't know. I just know I want you to coach right. me or whatever. So he made me like write a list. And, um, you know, photography was, was one of the things on the list. And, you know, I ended up narrowing it down to that because um, I think I went with him to like a he went to speak to a school one time and he had a guy with him that was doing his videography and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the reason why I wanted to do that because I was like, this going to lead me into the door to produce my own films and play around with cameras but I can make money in the meantime. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, I can make money in the meantime. So, you know, that's how I kind of got into photography. Um, after that, I just picked up a camera. He told me to buy a camera and I bought a camera. I bought a used one on uh what was it? Amazon. Bought a used one on Amazon. And I kind of just played around with it every day. We had a group on Facebook. He would make me um, come on there every day and post photos in there. Mm -hmm. He was like, I want you to go out every day, take photos. you got to post them in the group so we can see your progress and we know that you're doing the work. Right. So I would go to the park and stuff like that and take photos and then I would post them in the group. I would be on YouTube all day, every day. When I wasn't at work at the time, I had a job. Um, I, was, I was working a job at like CVS or something like that. And when I wasn't at work, I would be at home on YouTube, jump off, jump off YouTube, go do whatever I learned, just figuring the camera out. And then after a while, I kind of just took off. But what was crazy about that was people used to see me. I used to go to Foster Park sometimes right. and take photos. So I used to, people see me out there and be like, what you doing with the camera? I was like, oh, I'm going to get into photography. It's funny because those same people saw me later on and they was like, man, you said this when I saw you 
Like when I very got my very first camera, yeah. it's crazy the consistency for people to <laughs> even record. People to even say to me they recognize my journey and stuff yeah. like that. And they remember when I first got a camera, and I wasn't really taking photos of nobody. I just go out there take pictures of ducks or whatever. Yeah. So that's how I kind of got into photography. What are some tips that you have for somebody who wants to follow that model of getting into photography? Um, I would say uh, just really just, it depends on what you want to do, but I would say the first thing is getting started, get you a camera, get you a good lens, um, you know, kind of just learn the basics of the camera. The, the main things you want to do is learn uh, your ISO, your shutter speed, and your, uh, what was the other one? I can't think of it right now, but it's it's the basics you want to learn uh, of the camera and stuff like that. So once you learn the basics... You can just get you a camera and just play around with it every day to learn those things. Jump on YouTube, look up, you know, the basics you need to do to get started with camera. That's what I, I learned from YouTube. Um, one of the things you can also do is find you a mentor. Um, if you want to fast track your journey, because the first thing I did was I, I want to start making money fast. Like I said, at this point, I had to go get a job. So I was already mad about that because I was like, I'm the type of person where like I'm trying to figure out how to get how to get uh, money without having a yeah. without having a job. I just don't. I had so many jobs, I just don't like them. Like it was like I don't like people telling me what to do, what time of day to go do this. I'm at work. We got they telling me when I can go eat. So I was like, man, I just never really liked it like that. And so when I came into entrepreneurship, I was like, this is what I want to do. And so it was making me go hard with my camera. Mm. And I was just I remember I called up the first person I knew that I remember I met that had a camera and it was this girl I knew from Columbia and I was like hey I'll pay you whatever you want to teach me everything you know about photography and she didn't even really know what to charge me she was down to do it she was like I don't know what to charge you do and I was just like all right and so if she probably would have taught me for free yeah but me having the mindset that I had I was like she needs to understand that she can get paid for teaching people photography and plus I didn't want her to just teach me something for free anyway. So, you know, I just drove down to Columbia, gave her some money. It's probably like a few hundred dollars, whatever. Um, she, like I said, she probably would have did it for free. Um, she taught me some stuff, and we, we met up a few times when she was teaching me different things. But I would say I always give with you a, a mentor, a coach, or somebody that can teach you the game and fast track. Okay. Those some dope tips. Um, within that process of you becoming a better photographer, um, you move. You moved from Columbia to Georgia. Yeah. Um, we're not really necessarily 100% well, plan on what you wanted to do. Well, well, let me say this. I was in Columbia going to school, and then when school didn't work out, I moved back home for a year. Right. And so when I moved back home for a year, this is when I picked up the camera. And um, like I said, I ended up getting a job because now I'm staying at home, so I'm like, Man, I got to get up out of here. Like, I ain't lived with my parents since I was, like, 18. Right. So I moved back home for a year um, just to get my money right. And I was trying to figure out if I wanted to move to Atlanta or if I wanted to move to Charlotte. So in the meantime, you know, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I figured out, like, in it. So in the process of me, like I said, when I was in Wake Up Now, I built a lot of relationships. So most of those relationships were in Georgia, right. in Atlanta or whatever. So that's what made me, because when I got my camera, all those people I've been relationships with, they used to hit me up and be like, hey, I want you to do my photos. Right. And I, I was coming down here like every weekend, like even during the week, I would come to either Georgia or Columbia. Like I would even just call out of work. Yeah. Because I was at this point, like now I'm making money. Like I'm making more money doing this on the side than I'm making two weeks working at CVS, working right. in the pharmacy. And so I was like, man, it's time to leave. And so 
that's what made me transition because I was like, you know, we Uber and stuff was starting to pop around that time, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, push come to sell, I could just drive Uber or yeah. drive Lyft or something like that. So I was just, I just up and left. I remember telling my parents like, "Hey, I'm about to move to Georgia." I did the same thing on my job too. It was crazy because it was crazy because I went to go do a shoot. I can't remember where I was at, and I was supposed to be at work. <laughs> so I drive back to work late, and I walk in, and my uh, I told my pharmacist, uh, I was like, "Y'all want me to come to work?" Because I was like, "I'm about to quit." Yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, "He was like, you moving to Georgia?" He was like, "You moving to Atlanta, ain't you?" And I was like, yeah, you know, he was like, you go every weekend. He was like, it was bound to happen. And um, I was like, well, I won't be able to work a two-week notice because somebody had booked me in Charlotte for that next week. You couldn't miss that. And I was like, I can't miss out on that money. That was going to be my biggest amount of money I made at the time, which was like maybe like $800 or yeah. something like that from one person with mm-hmm. one gig or whatever. And it would have took me two, three weeks to make that at the uh, pharmacy. Yeah. Whatever. I can't remember what I was making at the time. but the I wanted price, that. The price went up by <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I was say, yeah. Uh, whatever price I was charging him, I'm definitely not charging that now. But I do remember it was like eight hundred dollars, and um, and I remember telling the um, pharmacist, I was like, I won't be able to work two weeks, but I could work one week if you want me to still come to work. I was like, yeah, of course. And they loved me at the pharmacy because I was the type of person where I used to come in all the time, like even on my days off. And somebody called out, and what was going on was they thought I used to like coming to work. Yeah. But I really was using the extra money. <laughs> I was really using the extra money to buy all my camera equipment and whatever. So and it, it's two far- it was two pharmacies back then. So they would even call me over at the other pharmacy, like, hey, somebody going to be out this week or whatever. Um, we can use somebody. And I would always tell them, like, if I ever need somebody, call me or whatever. And, you know, one thing about jobs is, like, most people complain about their job and they call an hour or they got some kind of complaint or whatever. I never complained none of that because in my mind, I already knew I was using that job as a vehicle. So I was trying to get as many hours as possible. Like overtime, I was just trying to do whatever because I'm using this money to buy my camera equipment and all the stuff I need to leave. So I was using the job as a vehicle to leave. So they used to tell me all the time, like, you you always at work. I was like, <laughs> There's man, a reason yeah. For that. yeah. I never told them, but in my yeah. head, I'm like, yeah, cause I'm getting to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming in as much as possible. Um, the 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 figure out how to get up out of here. So I remember one time I had a, somebody booked me for a shoot, and um, we had this like little chart in the back where like if you ask the pharmacist for a day off, they would go mark on the calendar like so and so asked for this day off or so and so asked they come in late. So I had already been doing that or whatever. So I was like, man, I can't ask them again. Yeah. So what I did was I went back there and just marked it in myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew the pharmacist that was working that day was going to be a different pharmacist that right. was going to be working on the day that I needed off. So I remember I went back there on the calendar and I wrote, like, Dominic comes in. At, I was supposed to probably be there at 10. I think I wrote in. I came in at, like, 1.30 or something right. like that because I knew I had to shoot early that morning. It wasn't um, in, a, it wasn't in Union or whatever. Right. It was in another town. So I was like, I got to drive there. Drive back, so I kind of I was like, I probably can be here about one thirty. So I go mark it on the calendar, go do the shoot the day of, come in to work late. Nobody ever knew I came in and started working or whatever. And I would do like little stuff like that all the time. Like I would come to work two hours late because I had to go shoot something before work. I used to help, um, I used to help Carlos shoot his podcast early in the morning time. So I would go um, shoot his podcast, come to work late or whatever. And at this point, I'm making money doing it, so it's like 
I might make four hundred dollars before I go to work, and mm-hmm. I'm only making whatever I was making then an hour, probably like twelve dollars. Right. Yeah, I wasn't gonna make four hundred dollars in day work. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, at this point, this is when I started slacking off on mm-hmm. work or whatever. Now they need me to come in. I probably ain't coming in because yeah. I'm making money doing something else. So it really wasn't that much of a leap of faith then, because you already was kind of. I mean, I know it could still be. The unknown of it's not guaranteed that you're gonna have right. 400, 500 right. dollar days every right. day, but right. with versus a job where you know if you go to work <laughs> five days a week, you're gonna, get, week you gonna get that. You're gonna, yeah. Um, but it doesn't really sound like it was that much of a leap of faith for was, you to like just up and leave. I would it. say it was from the standpoint of I had, I had some clientele in, um, Atlanta, but it wasn't like those same people was going to be using me at, every, at every day. Right. And back then, I didn't understand the model of like having somebody on a retainer where they probably are paying you every week and maybe using you. Excuse me. And having somebody on the retainer where they um using you every day or every week or something like that. So I understand that business model now, but back then it was just like I was coming down here off the strength of I'm a hustler. Right. Like, I'm going to just try to figure it out. And then like also I was working with another uh, videographer and photographer. He was referring me to a lot of people. That was huge. Yeah, that was huge. He was referring me to a lot of people. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a leap of faith because I did get to a point where, like, when I first got to Atlanta, um, I was making a lot of money. Like, I remember I made, um, I can't remember how much it was, but I made a lot of money in one day. And I was like, man, um, I'm thinking, like, it's going to be like this all the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I remember getting to the end of that year. This is my first year of moving to Atlanta. It got towards the end of that year when it started getting cold and stuff. And me not understanding, like, how to market and stuff yet. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, running out of clients. I didn't know what to do. So right. I'm, now I'm put, I put myself in a position where I had to go get a job again. Right. And, and, and the only reason why I went to go get a job again was because I remember myself I was going to drive Uber and stuff like that. Well, I had got a DUI previously. So when I went to go sign, when I went to go sign up for uh, Uber and Lyft, they denied me because they like, you got a DUI. Mind you, the DUI was probably like, Man, probably like eight, nine years or something right. had passed, but I'm like, man, I still tripping <laughs> on that. So I couldn't do that and I really didn't know nothing else. So I was like, man, let me just grab a job for a minute or whatever. So I had to do that for a little while, but um you know, it, it worked out. I knew I knew I was gonna make it work out yeah. some kind of way. Like I'm like I just gotta get down there. I knew yeah. I wasn't gonna be able to make the type of money I wanted to make staying in union. That's yeah. all I knew. Most people wouldn't even like just the thought of either leaving your hometown or just moving to a whole nother state altogether, that can be scary, especially when you don't have like a job secured or even family that you can depend on on a daily basis. Cause you moved to a place where you didn't have nobody. Right. Like it was just up to you to sink or swim. Yeah, I think for me, I didn't really think or care about none of that. Yeah. I just, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, I know how I'm gonna live in Union. I, I don't know how I'm going to live in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. I know the potential. Right. And I care more about the potential than I did about, you know, the guarantee just mm-hmm. making whatever money. Because I know at the end of the day, I could just go get a job. Like, right. you could always, at the end of the day, go get a, if push comes to shove, McDonald's or whatever is still going to be there. Like, some people might feel like they're too good for that or whatever. But, you know, if you got to do what you got to do, you know, you got to do what you got to do and just mm-hmm. hustle it back up or whatever. Just get back to where you was at. Because at the end of the day, and that's why I say personal growth and self-development is so important. Because if you look at a lot of people's stories, they went through those same things. Like, they was in positions where they might have to go get a job again. Or, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, you know, 
they stay at their job all the way until you know it's time to leave. Right. I didn't, I couldn't do that because I just didn't like my job that right. much. But it wasn't that I didn't like the job; I just didn't want to have a job. Right. Um, even though it was kind of chill and laid back, and my pharmacist loved me, mm-hmm. it was just like I still didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and and it's a cap on your money too. I can only. I'm only making this amount of dollars an hour in these many hours. So I'm like, no matter what I do, I'm like burning myself out. Mind you, I've told you I'm doing overtime and all this stuff. It was like, it wasn't even worth it. Mind you, I, I can make whatever I make with photography and videography in, in a day at that time. And, and versus it's taking me a week or two to make it at the time. It just didn't make sense. That's a, <laughs> that's a struggle that a lot of people face, including myself. Um, I don't really, I, I have to remind myself daily that, you know, it's not something that's that's permanent, but, you know, just the fact that I have something over here that I know I'm passionate about, I know I want to put time into, um, and it's really up to me as to, like, when I'm going to leave the job, because it's never, if you wait on a perfect time, yeah. it's never going to be a perfect time. I always say that. So. It's got to be a plan in place. Just stick to the plan. And um, when whenever that date is that you wrote on the paper uh, comes, it, it's time to just leave. I would say, too, a lot of people feel like they have to be passionate about whatever they're doing. Right. Like you're not even passionate about the job that you are right now. A lot of people be like, I don't want to be at my job, but I'm trying to find something I'm passionate yeah. about. You might need to just find something that you can do to make some money mm-hmm. that be a vehicle to do what you're passionate right. about. It ain't necessarily got to be something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You're sitting around waiting to find passion and drop out they the sky. They it don't ain't going to happen like that. Mm-hmm. And like if you listen to guys like Gary Vee, and I love what he always says because he's like, man, it's like, you know, trying food. Like you don't know what you like until you try it. Mm-hmm. So you might have to try a few different things. And I always say like what? If you just get out of the house and do something, even if it's not something that you love, a lot of times that thing will lead you to something else right. that'll lead you to either somebody or something that's going to lead you to the thing that you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, with me, I'm not passionate about doing photography. It's a vehicle to allow me to have money to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a lot of people that are passionate about photography, and I do love doing photography. I don't hate it or anything like that, but it's just a great vehicle to make money and do other things that I really like doing. So in in the I would say time that you've been able to perfect your craft, um, you also were able to find love and become you know a man that that decided to propose. Yeah. How was that like? Like finding a mate that understood your struggle, or let's even go back further. How important is it to have a mate that understands that entrepreneurial grind? Uh, I think that's very, very, very important to have somebody that understands the entrepreneurial grind because I remember um, being in a, like, I guess you, <laughs> a relationship before, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And, um, you know, sometimes women, or, you know, it could go the other way too, a man or whatever, they don't understand, like, why are you always, you know, gone or maybe you always studying or maybe you always off in another room or whatever, you know, they want your time or whatever. And nobody really understands that, like, another entrepreneur. And I, I remember just dealing with women in the past and I always was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta deal with somebody that really understands because not only do they need to understand, but you need to have your own grind too. Right. You can't just right. be going to work and then you coming home chilling and then you complaining about it. So, you know, 
that was very important for me. I was always looking to looking for somebody that I only say I was looking for somebody, but I always knew like if I ever got in a relationship, it was gonna be with somebody who was an entrepreneur themselves and really kind of understood that. And the relationship I'm in now, um, she wasn't really um, my fiance. She wasn't really an entrepreneur at the time, but she was like a hustler. So she, you know, she was always doing something. She got out of work. She was bartending and doing all these other things, whatever. And then, like, when I came into the picture, I was kind of helping her structure that a little bit. Like, man, look, you need to do this or whatever. And I introduced her to entrepreneurs I knew. And that's when she started getting into the things that she she does now. But in the beginning, she wasn't really an entrepreneur, but she had that hustle in mind. Like, she was an entrepreneur at heart, but she wasn't doing nothing really entrepreneurial. Right. Well, she was selling things and things like that, but she wasn't doing what she doing now. Shout out to Kiana Butler, by the <laughs> way. She got a, a dope episode on the podcast, Multiple Streams of Income. Go check that out. Um, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, it could be a challenge, especially, um, you know, with my wife. We kind of learn, I guess, about entrepreneur entrepreneurship around the same time. Well, I'm not going to speak for her. But I, from the outside looking in, I would say we kind of learned about it at the same time. And um, having a mate that understands what it takes to, you know, because it, it's going to be sacrifices within that. If you want to be great at it, things are going to have to uh, be put off sometimes. You may not be able to go out every weekend. Right. Or you, you might not be able to, you know, do certain things because you might have a, a conference coming up where... You got to go alone. Or even yeah. if you take your spouse, you might not even be with them because right. the conference is going to keep you from nine in the morning right. to six at night. By the time you get out, you ain't got time to do anything because you're probably going to be up that next day or you're just tired, you know. But um, having some of those, I never really had to deal with anybody um, outside of my wife because by the time, by the time I was an entrepreneur, yeah, was we was already together, so I never really had to deal with anybody not understanding. Right. Can, is it anything that you can remember um, before your fiance of dealing with? Was, was it in any situations that you kind of felt like they didn't understand that part of it? Mm, I wouldn't say necessarily because I wasn't really dealing with nobody that serious, right. but like even like the person I was dealing with, I remember when I first started, even like back when Wake Up Now, when I started doing that, and I started going to conferences and stuff right. like that. You know, the girl I was dealing with at the time, she really just didn't understand. Like, mm -hmm. you, know, you keep going to these yeah. events and stuff like that, but it's different, you know, when I got with um, Kiana because, you know, we would go to things together. Right. So, you know, she was, we would go to uh, Eric Thomas conferences and stuff like that. And, you know, um, she actually was in the uh, network marketing company I was in at the time. That's how we met. You know, we, we would go to those events and stuff like that together. So, you know, that was a whole new world for me, having somebody to go with those, go to those things together or whatever. So yeah, I was like, yeah, it's, it's different. <laughs> so you like describe that, like how, how would it, how does it feel to like be able to be in that world where you can actually like grow with somebody like you already Y'all got y'all goals, you know, at the beginning of the year. And um, just to know that y'all building your own thing, but also building something together at the same time. Um, I think it's a great thing. Um, not necessarily saying, because I think some people have this, you know, a lot of people in relationships, especially if they're successful, they'll be like, well, you need a you need a spouse or whatever, you know, to go to the, you don't necessarily 
need a husband or a wife, whatever, to have these things. Um, and so I want to, I want to get that out there and mm-hmm. open. Like, but for for people that do have somebody, it, it's great to have somebody on that same page. Because, you know, like they, they completely understand that. Like you said, at the beginning of the year, we write down our goals. And, and it's not one of those situations where I got to keep explaining to her, like, this is why we're doing this. Right. This is why we're doing that. And I want you to do this. I want you to read this or whatever. Because a lot of times mindset comes into play, too. So, you know, as you're growing, if they're not on the same page and you're reading and watching these seminars and going to these, and you're leaving them behind. So that, that becomes a struggle um, after a while. So having somebody that's on the same page that's constantly growing at, growing with me, you know, it, it just makes it a whole lot easier. And then it makes it easier from the standpoint of, like, we have a daughter together. And I want her to come up the same way. So now I know she's going to be something that happens to me. I know what type of mindset her mother has already. Right. So when – I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit. Um, <laughs> when did you know – that she was going to be the one that you wanted to propose to? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it was always like little things just letting me know like this was like a different situation than i ever been in because like even like when we first got together, um, she, she when I introduced her to David, she started doing social media management. And at the time, um, what's the guy's name? Um, it's a guy... It's a guy that everybody see. He was all over YouTube or whatever, but he had a program at the time. He had a um, like this course or whatever, and I think it was I can't remember how much it was. It might have been a few thousand dollars. And mind you, we probably only had been together for some months. And I remember she got into that, and I was like, "I'm happy to pay for it." Mm-hmm. I ain't never had spent no money, like yeah. that type of money. Um, um, I think we just split it, split it or whatever. I think it might have been close to two thousand dollars or whatever. I think we just split it or whatever. I was like. Because I was like, look, you need this. This is going to help you go to the next level. You know, just like little stuff like that. Um, her being willing to go to these conferences and stuff like that. And I seen the mindset she had. And, like, she's the ultimate, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, she's the co- most coachable person I like. I know, period. Yeah. If somebody tell her, like, look, you got to do X, Y, and Z to be successful or to get this, she's going to do it. Like, a lot of people yeah, might ask sure. questions or, you know, you come at this, to them later on and be like, wait, why you ain't do this? Well... I'm scared to go live or whatever. Like whatever you tell her, she got to do. Yeah. She's gonna do it. And I saw that mindset early on. It's just like little things like that. Um, just outside of and even like her personality. Like she has a great heart. Uh, I just saw what type of woman she was. So I don't know when it was when I was just like new, but it's just like little things like that over time. I just just knew she was different. Yeah, I uh, I would say that's it's kind of hard to uh, pinpoint. Like you said, the exact time where you knew, um, but it's, it's more it's more more than just one moment. I think like it's a collective, like you said, of moments of time where you just maybe subconsciously just took note of mm-hmm. different things, yeah. and when you combine all that, you just come to a point where you know what it's time. Yeah. It, it's it's hard for me um, to pin pinpoint a time where it's like, yeah, this is when I knew I wanted to get married because it just don't work like that for me. And I think you kind of know, but it's so much more that goes into right. it. Like you might understand this is the person that may be the person for you, but you have to also understand what comes with it right. too. So now you have to make a commitment to that as well. Like stuff outside of just being with this person, like whatever comes with them. Like yeah. with her, she had, she had a daughter already. Right. You know, things of that nature. It's just like you know, stuff you got to do as a man in marriage. Like, yeah. it's, it's different from you being single. So now it's a whole another 
it's a whole change of life or whatever. So you have to understand that as well. So now that you understand that this may be a woman, you have to understand that, like, all right, am I committed to doing what I need to do on my end as well? Right. So Yeah, and I and I think for me, um I it's weird. I had to grow up. I know that for sure. Um, I talked about that on a previous episode. I'm still growing up. Uh, <laughs> I had to, I had to mature a lot in order to get to become a person that somebody would agree to marry. Right. Um, but even even before that, I always felt as though it's not something that you should rush. Right. Um, I, I was a proponent of you know at least being with somebody for four seasons before you could even think about it because right. you got to know what their family on like you said if if it's kids involved right. okay. you need to know that um, it's just a lot that goes into like marriage period because I knew I knew that it was something that I would take serious um, it's not like I grew up I, I it's different for men I think we don't dream of. A wedding or kids yeah. or nothing like right. that. That stuff just come with the territory right. for us. I think we more, we're more goal. I wouldn't say goal oriented. We want to, I guess, secure or or be in a position where we feel as though we've secured something before we bring somebody else into our yeah. lives. I want, yeah, that's that's a big thing for me as well. Mm-hmm. That's another reason why it took me so long too to propose because I was always the type of person where I was like. I'm not having any kids or getting married until I feel like I'm at where I want to be in life. That's why I always, even like when I was, people would ask me because I have two other sisters and they have kids. And people would ask me like, you not having no kids, whatever. And I was like, I would always say no, but in my mind, I always thought like, even if I did, I don't want to do that until like I'm at where I want to be at financially. Right. Um, you know, because as men, you know, you want to be able to provide. You know what comes along with that. You got to, you know, provide where it's... You know, mindset, you said you had to grow up that too, and, you know, monetarily. So I know um, for me, that was huge. Like, even while we was together, I was like, nah, I ain't where I want to be at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just took me a while. You know, women, they just, they don't really care. They be like, I'm ready to get married now. <laughs> now. And she used, to, she used to say that um, all the time as well. And in my mind, I was just like, I'm ready to get married. But yeah. It's some I mean, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just some stuff. It's just some stuff. You know, as men, like, a lot of times we don't even really want to talk about that stuff. Just like in our head, we just like, um, it ain't, I ain't there yet. Yeah, you can't really explain to them, but I mean, you can, but we don't really <laughs> want to have that conversation. Right. <laughs> no, honest conversations can be the hardest ones to have. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. It's just, I think women, and like you said, women and men, like we're raised differently. As mm-hmm. men, we don't really communicate like that. Right. Like that's, a, that's another thing you have to work on as well um, is communication because a lot of times we may feel some type of way. Um, Whatever that may be, but we don't necessarily want to talk about it, and you know, just and you don't know. I don't know. We just we just have a problem. I don't know why it is. We just have a problem with expressing our feelings. It's just I think it has a a big a, a big thing to do with how we was raised, what we see on TV and stuff like that. It's just like I, I want to say it's not really. I ain't gonna say it's not natural, but you know, you don't really see a lot of men doing that. We get into a day and age now where like we're seeing other people do it. Right. And it's becoming it's more a of a, a common thing now. But um, no, it's still it's still uh, a huge thing for me now. Like I'm still I'm still growing and maturing and figuring these things out. I I just turned 31 years old. Like I got a lot of growing to do. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I'm nowhere near done. Yet, especially especially on that side when it comes to like family, money, you know, being a man, you know, stuff like that. So and and, and it's some things you have to just go through. Yeah. That, you can't just necessarily like somebody tell you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to go through certain situations to 
the growth. Right. Yeah. Man, now I know uh, speaking of growth, we, we mentioned baby girl earlier, but what uh, what does fatherhood mean to you and how do you feel like it's changed you? Man, that's my heart right there. <laughs> like, man, when I had my daughter, like, that probably... Uh, I always say now, like, I, <laughs> I always say now, like, I'm soft. Like, I'm like, I got way softer than I used to be, like, back when I was in the military, my military days, I was just, like, I had a totally different personality. Um, but now, since, like, I had my daughter, like, man, I was telling uh, my fiance last night, um, I got in the bed, and my daughter, she always got this little elephant she carried around. Yeah. And we got in the bed, and she was like, hey, my elephant. And I was like, let me get it. <laughs> And I was like, I would have did it for nobody yeah. else, but I was like, she could give it for anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it completely changed me, man. Like, you know, this is my like when she first came, you know, I was there at, at the hospital and stuff like that. It's just been she was like just a little bundle of joy. It just changed my whole world, man. Mm-hmm. You can't even really put it into words. It's like a different kind of love, man. And sometimes I think about I think about it in a way of like. Cause I know how much my mom loved me, like right. as a, well, I didn't know, but now it's like, oh, this That's is like, yeah, this is like what she, why, what I was getting from my parents mm-hmm. or whatever, and I was like, this is like how they love me or whatever. So now I even look at my parents different, like, cause I kind of understand, like, how, yeah, I kind of understand like where they was coming from, like mm-hmm. all that. It's crazy because they, as parents, they always used to say, you understand when you get older, or you understand when you have your own kids, but I, I can say I can understand them. <laughs> <laughs> you said a mouthful with that one, cause uh, I'm the same way. Had a had a girl as well. Uh, man, Layla just running everything. Um, man, she changed me. She is same thing at the hospital from day one. Um, just watching her grow and knowing what I want her future to look like is right. is so important to like put them in a better position because I know. Us as as parents, we want our ceiling to be that floor. Yep. Um, That's what drives me. What I was just about to ask, like, what <laughs> what what are some of the things that you putting in place to make sure that Naomi is starting off on a good foot? Um. Well, let me say this. I would say like, so me growing up, like, even I think about this, like, when I was in the, um, I always use something to like drive me to the next level. Mm-hmm. So for the longest. Like, I feel like my parents raised me so well, I never wanted to let them down. Like, even when, like, I was in the military, I remember, like, we used to go through some stuff. And I remember um, we went through this obstacle course one time, and they kept making us go through it. You're only supposed to go through it one or two times. And all I could think about is, like, I can't let my parents down. <laughs> and I was like, and I also felt like, man, I can't be the only one that just stopped or right. whatever. So, uh, getting back to my daughter. Um, now it's like she's the one that drives me. Like I always think about her whenever I'm doing something or going through something. I always think about my daughter. I was like, all right, I gotta do this. I can't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So she kind of really pushed me. And like things that I have in place for her is um like even I wouldn't say I wouldn't say from the day she was born, but like um a little bit after she was born, I started her uh, custodial account. So you know we invest for it. So I always tell all the family like, don't send us. No toys or none of that, whatever, for her birthday, holidays, just send us money. Uh-huh. We're going to put it into account or whatever. Because looking back on my life, yeah, I had fun with a lot of them toys, but, like, I don't really... They're not here now. Yeah, they're not here now. Like, he's not <laughs> doing nothing for me now all those times when I was in college and I ain't have no money. Yeah. So, um, 
I'd rather do stuff like that for her and like anything she needs, like, you know, we buy it for it. But I'm also um conscious of like her especially now at a young age, like she's one, two, three, like you don't really especially don't remember none of that stuff. So when it comes to like birthdays and stuff like that, we have something for it, but my main thing is like let me put some money up for you, whatever. And now I'm getting into where I'm trying to create businesses for her so we can use that money, you know, put towards her uh custodial account, we can put towards her starting other businesses. So that way once she starts school, you know, I don't know what school she's gonna go to go to, but she might be the only little girl in the class with her own books and her own businesses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh that's what we got in place for her now. Like I'm just trying to release as many products and businesses for her as possible and then when she get old enough and start to see what's going on, she can, you know, help out. Right. And I I mean I'm I'm right there with you. Uh Layla got a custodial account she's had her whole life. Um other than that, um also I've been working on her credit already. Mm-hmm. Um she got two credit cards right now. <laughs> Um, working on getting a four, um, just so she can have all that credit history by the time, by the time she wants to do whatever she, she can do whatever. Cause I mean, along with the cash, you do need credit as well. Um, so I'm working on that. Obviously what goes into that is me being a good student of my credit. Cause it don't matter that she got a credit card if I'm messing it up. Um, but just making sure that she is on, you know, a level playing field with, with the people that matter, right? You know, um, so yeah, it's just it's it's important for us to put our kids in a better position. Than, not that we was in a bad position, right. but you always want your kids to be in a better position than you. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, I mean, natural. it's natural progression. Whatever mm-hmm. you always want them to be a step up, and I always say like with our parents, they they did the best with you know what they knew at the time. I mean, you got to think about this day; they didn't have the internet and stuff right. like we do now. Mm-hmm. And so now we don't really have no excuses. Like, at least they had an excuse. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to get the information. Not saying that they couldn't figure out some other things anyway, but now it's, like, so readily available. Like, you just jump on Google and YouTube and type in how to become a millionaire. You're going to find something. Yeah, something. <laughs> or whatever, like, how to, you know, fix your credit or whatever. Like, we have everything at our fingertips, so there's really no excuse. So, you know, and I always want to have that mindset with my daughter. Like, it's no no excuses, whatever. She see, you know, mama and daddy having a business, stuff like that, because... Nine times out of ten, your kids are gonna do whatever they saw you do. If you mm-hmm. if you was a CEO, you know your kid would probably come right behind behind you and take over that business or be a CEO of mm-hmm. another business. Uh, whatever they see you do, nine times out of ten, they're gonna do that. Or you know, when we was going to school, the big thing was you know it kind of still is, but you know go to college. But now it's like man, kids, YouTubers and stuff like that YouTube now they're making making millions of dollars. So mm-hmm. you know, in this day and age, like. By the time my daughter get older, we don't know what nine to fives would right. be or whatever. So right. like a lot of that stuff probably won't even exist anymore. So I feel like I want to be able to put her in a position. Whatever going on in the world, you know, you got your capital to to contribute and do mm-hmm. your own thing. Man, we talked about a lot of things today, um, but we didn't we didn't discover we didn't even cover like you also have a love for dogs with led into right. you know a venture that you are building. Uh, talk a little bit about Black Star Line uh, Borgles. Uh, Black Star Line Borgles. Um, so I always had a love for dogs, man. Like even when I was a kid, I used to, <laughs> I used to always ask my parents for um a dog for my birthday, and um I loved dogs so much that I used to, you know, you get your candles, you blow, you make a wish. Yeah. I used to always wish for a dog. <laughs> All, every time I'm wishing for a dog, every time. So um finally, I like fourth grade, my dad got me a dog. And I had like two other dogs after that. 
And um, I didn't have dogs again until um, until now. I had the dogs that I have now, but I remember doing some research, and I was like, I'm gonna give me another dog. And I didn't want like a pit bull or a bully because everybody got them. Mm-hmm. But I did want to have something that um, with some size to it. Um, so I was just doing my research, and I came across the borders. And um, I wasn't even planning on starting a kennel. I just was I just was gonna get one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just gonna get one. I was just gonna get a male. And what happened was I remember I was gonna get one from this guy, or whatever. Um, it, it ended up happening because the dog didn't get pregnant or whatever. And so between that time, I'm still doing research on the dogs. And I'm just falling in love with them. I'm like, oh man, these dogs are great. I'm looking at everybody's stories. I'm following breeders and stuff like that. And I just ended up getting more than one. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, um, would you partner with me on some of the dogs and stuff like that? So we kind of doing it together. Um, a couple other friends. And so it's just like, I, I always loved dogs. I, I kind of just like fell into the kennel by accident. Right. And so, um, yeah, for the we, we got some breedings probably coming up maybe towards the end of this year. Um, maybe next year it just depends on when they come in the heat. We're supposed to be moving as well, so I didn't want to be doing too much right. with the dogs in the in the midst of us um, you know, moving to another house and getting trying to get that settled and stuff like that. Cause I want them to be comfortable and not get stressed out and stuff like that. So um like yeah, I got a huge love I got a huge love for animals in general. Like um, that's probably like one thing people don't know about me, but I love yeah, Fish, like I um when we moved to the new house, I said the first thing I'm gonna get is the huge fish aquarium, probably two or three. Um, reptiles. I, I love everything, man. The only thing I really don't care too much for is cats. So for all you cat <laughs> for, for all you cat lovers, man, I'm sorry, man. I don't look at cats like that. But everything else, like I would even get a pet snake. I mean, that probably ain't going down. But <laughs> Keanu ain't gonna let that happen. But I mean, I love animals. Um, as a kid, I was a, I would always watch like National Geographic and Animal Planet and all that. My mom used to be like, "Man, turn it. We trying to eat." <laughs> but um, I always had a love for animals. I always wanted to um, do my thing with animals. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't really know that about me. And another thing that people may not know is that you. Recently, just became a YouTuber. Yeah, man, jumped on the YouTube with the family. Um, so my thing with YouTube is, um, I always wanted to create a YouTube. Right. I, I can't even tell you how many channels I started in, your head. in my head, <laughs> and I probably recorded a couple. I, I started a garden like two years ago, and I was like, man, I'm a, I'm gonna uh, record every uh, step of the process. Yeah. I recorded like me going to get the plants. I recorded me planting them in the yard, and then the pots I had outside. And maybe like a couple of weeks after that, never edited any other footage, never put it up. I was like, it man, might come out one day. It might come out one day. We actually about to start another garden, so it's gonna be on the channel that we got now because it's, we do a lot of food reviews on there now. But it's really about the family. The few food reviews is just the only thing we've done so far. Um, <clears throat> the food reviews is the only thing we've done so far. But yeah, there's other things I recorded too, and I just, it just never made it to YouTube. And you know, the YouTube we have now. Um, like I said, we have food reviews up there, but and how that kind of came about was um, we've been living in Atlanta for like, what, five years, almost five years now? It's a lot of places we haven't been to eat, and we love to eat. So I was telling my fiance, I was like, man, we should, um, you know, start going to a new place every week. And, you know, of course she agreed. She down to eat. And I was like, we might as well record it. And I was like, this could probably, you know, be a YouTube channel or whatever. We doing food reviews. Everybody doing food reviews. So I was like, we can review some of these restaurants. You know, that's how it really came about. And then I was just was like, man, we can do more than 
<clears throat> food reviews. We could uh, we could do family stuff at the house. We always doing a lot of stuff at the house. We go on a lot of trips. She owns a travel business, but we own one together. But she's always traveling way more than me. So I was like, we can start because I got the dogs. Um, so I was like, we start traveling more together. Put that on the channel. Um, now I already know what you're thinking. Where can I get the merch? I'm glad you asked. You can find it at toostubborntofail.com. That's toostubborntofail.com. All right. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Too Stubborn to Fail podcast. Um, we were, before the commercial break, we were talking about the YouTube channel. Um, what do you see? I know you, right now you're mainly doing the food reviews, but obviously you wanted to grow into something else. What's your vision for the channel overall? Um, like I said, I just I, I just want to kind of show like what we're doing as a family. Um, like I said, we do a lot of stuff. We travel. Um, so one thing I like to do, uh, people probably don't know either. I love to cook. I just don't like the cleaning up process. So it keeps <laughs> me from cooking. Yeah. Um, but I do love to cook. Um, I probably would be a chef in another life, or maybe maybe one day I I might you know get into that a little bit way down the road because I got a lot of other things I want to do. But I do love to cook. Mm. So I might come across a recipe or something on YouTube, or I might come across something on. Uh, the, you know, it's big now where on uh, Instagram and these platforms they show people showing their recipes and yeah. stuff like that. So I might see something that look real good and I'll cook that. So um, sometimes I do it by myself. Sometimes I, I do it with the family. So I said we could do some of that on the channel as well. Like I said, um, we probably gonna start a garden. So we'll bring the garden on there. Just just show what we doing as a family, and maybe we could even get into some like some of the financial stuff we doing as well, especially for the kids because. You know that's the that's the biggest thing for me right now is creating wealth for the family. So hey, that's the main goal. <laughs> so so that's my biggest goal right now. Um, you know, and, and the YouTube is just like an outlet for us. You know, just to have some fun. That's stuff we doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I always wanted to create a YouTube, like I said, and just never got around to it. And I feel like now I, I'll be more consistent with it, especially since it's with the family and I'm not. It's not something I'm doing on my own, and then I got to go back to the right. family. After I recorded or to record or whatever, so um, you know I plan on being consistent with this one and you know keeping the thing going. Y'all tune in, Gets Family TV. Um, we got a lot of we got a lot of content coming. Like I said, we always doing something. Might as well show it to the world. Hey, it's, it, we in a we're in a age of consumers, so it's best just to yeah push that content and. You know, the people going to eat it up. Yeah, I feel like that as well because, you know, with people who, um, the thing with YouTube or anything, one thing I notice is, um, and I use this guy for example, I came across a guy on YouTube. Um, actually, I kind of know the guy, but I ain't going to say his name, but I didn't know he had a YouTube channel. And uh, he got he has a YouTube channel is trying to educate people on women. Mm -hmm. And he, he be saying outrageous stuff, like <laughs> just... Trying to tell a woman how to be a woman, how yeah. you feel about women, how men feel about women, how they um, should do certain things. And I came across his YouTube one day. I didn't know he had a YouTube. He has a lot of followers. And I'm looking at his content, and I'm just like, there's no way. There's no way he got this many views and this many followers talking about this crazy. So I was like, and then I just really started thinking about it. If you're consistent doing anything, like somebody going to tune in, whether it's because they hate you or because they love you. Um, people gonna tune in and check you out. So I was like, man, why you know, why can't I do it? And I just say that for anybody else as well. Um, sometimes it's just about being consistent. Consistent because it's an audience for everything almost. Yeah. Like you can go on 
YouTube, whatever you type in, there's somebody on that door. I came across somebody who had a YouTube just cleaning um, cow hooves. And he had a bunch of followers and a bunch of views. And not saying that it's just about that, but, if it, you know, of course you want to build your page. But if you're consistent doing anything long enough, um, people are going to tune in and see what you're talking about. Well, like I said, whether they love it or hate it, it's just like Floyd Mayweather. People tune in to watch Floyd Mayweather fight, and half of them want to see him lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Man, you can drop so many bars on this episode. Um, but before we get out of here, I always like to leave the people with a two-step in the field moment. Basically, a moment where you felt that you had to overcome adversity. And basically, it's just a moment, you know, that sticks out to you the most where, you know, against all lies, you came out better on that side. Man, I got so many. Uh, two-step in the field moment. I would say, I would say, like I was saying earlier, you know, like when I, you know, moved to Atlanta and, you know, I had to end up getting a job. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I didn't let that, I didn't let that stop me. And just, all right, let me just, let me stay in this job or whatever. You know, I, I was in there with the same mindset that I had when I had a job when I was at um, CVS. I was like, man, every, every job I ever had. I always worked extra hard. And it's because my goal is to use that job, to use that money to get whatever I need. And I think when you have that mindset, when you have that mindset of I'm I'm using my job to, you know, get to my goal, um, you can go to work. A lot of people calling out of work and stuff like that. When you got the mentality of I'm using my job to, um, you know, fund my dream is different. So I would say that's a two-step failed moment for me because I could have just quit or anything doing that. And I was even... Second guessing doing photography. I was right. like, man, do I want to do photography? I was like, man, this ain't working out. I might need to do something else. And um, like I said, it wasn't my passion anyway, but it's a vehicle for me. And I love doing it. But, you know, I was just second guessing. it. I was like, do I want to do photography and videography anymore? You know, I kind of just, you know, it just hit me one day. Like, I'm, I'm tripping. And at the time, it wasn't like I had stopped doing it, but I was still doing it. You know, I just jumped back out there. Got back on the got back on the bike and rolled that something. <laughs> Man, but I want to thank you again for coming out and dropping so many jewels. I can't wait to go back and watch this one. Man. Um, before we leave though, um, where can we follow you? All your all your business ventures. Uh, just just drop all your all your social um, medias. You can follow my you can follow my photography page on Instagram. Real dope photography. Real R E E L. Like a, a real film, real dope photography. Um, you can follow uh, Gist Family TV on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Um, you can follow my personal page on Instagram, Carolina Savior. Um, that's about it. Um, yeah, that's about it. I want to just leave y'all with one, one last little message, and I want I want y'all to know that the facts don't matter. So at the end of the day, some something come up, you gotta go. What you on you on your way you on you on your way to work, and you run into a wreck, you don't get to work, and your boss your boss fire you. Hey, the facts didn't matter that it was a wreck. It's the same thing which it's the same thing with your goals, man. The facts don't matter. So it's like you gotta do whatever you need to do. And get that job done. Like a lot of people want to blame their kids for not being able to. The facts don't matter. Either you get it done, 
or you don't. Like at the end of the day, the world doesn't care about your problems. So you got to get it done against all odds. So a lot of times you just got to have, that's a quote that I try to live by. The facts don't matter. So regardless of what's going on, whether it's a fact or not, something happened to you, you still got to get it done. So when you have that mindset, um, it, it, it's it's more likely that you won't let allow things to stop you. Like the facts don't matter. Well, yeah, I heard them nuggets. We're definitely going to have you back for, you know, just to kind of catch up with the progression of the individual businesses. Go subscribe to the YouTube channels. It's Family um, TV, man. Also, go subscribe to the Two Stuff in the Field podcast where you'll catch not only this episode, but we mentioned um, Kiana Butler. She got an episode on here. Uh, we want to give a shout out to both uh, Trey Cromlin of Cronco for Let's Eat. This is his brand. We also got Living Blessed, my Bless brother Javon Palmer, um, just to name a few. And like I said, again, you can always support Too Stubborn to Fail. Um, I always have some merch on that you can get, twostubbornofail.com. Um, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And as always, I'm your host, Darren Perkins. We had Dominic Giss on today, and we're tuning out. Thank you.